Ample. Hee hee. Is this thing on? Yeah, that's on. Don't touch that. The Next Billion Seconds is a podcast hosted by Mark Pesch, an award-winning creator, journalist, and futurist. This podcast dives into topics about the future, aiming to provide insights that can help listeners make informed decisions in today's rapidly changing world. It's noted for addressing the unprecedented rate of change humanity is currently experiencing. How long does it take for the world to change completely? Well, you might say it takes a whole year, or you might say it takes just one day, if that one day is the 30th of November, 2022. ChatGPT is like a really smart robot that can talk to you. It's like having a super knowledgeable friend on your computer or phone. You can ask it questions about almost anything, like homework, fun facts, or even tell it to make up stories. It uses its big brain, which is actually a lot of computer knowledge, to give you answers or help you with stuff. And the best part, it's always ready to chat anytime you want. That's ChatGPT explaining ChatGPT. Only a year ago, ChatGPT didn't exist. And it's getting harder to remember what it was like way back then, because in these last 365 days, ChatGPT and its competitors have reached into everything, touched everything, changed everything. Never in the history of technology has a single innovation ever spread so fast, so ubiquitously, and changed things so profoundly. So what happened? Hello, I'm Mark Pesci. The last 31 million seconds rank among the most important in all of the 6,000 years of recorded history, a year when artificial intelligence got real and changed everything. In this three-episode miniseries, we're taking a look at what happened, how it happened, what it means, and where it might be going. Because this transformation is only getting started. And although the last year had enough change to last a lifetime, it's not the end of the ride. No, this ride is just beginning. So buckle yourselves in and get ready for a wild ride into a future that was completely unexpected and is suddenly already everywhere on this episode of The Next Billion Seconds. Think of artificial intelligence like a magic brain inside computers and robots. This magic brain can learn things, like recognizing animals in pictures, or understanding words you say. It's like when you play a game and get better as you practice. The computer's magic brain gets better as it sees more things or hears more words. It's not a real brain, but it's super smart, like a wizard in a storybook. Artificial intelligence is old enough to be collecting the pension. 67 years ago, a group of researchers met at Dartmouth University for a summer seminar, studying techniques that could get computers to learn. Wildly ambitious, they predicted they'd have thinking machines in five years, 10 at most. And that was a profoundly influential idea. It worked its way into popular culture. If you think of films like 2001, A Space Odyssey, or TV shows like Star Trek, of course we'd have computers that think, that talk, that listen and respond. Of course, it was all so easy, except it wasn't, not at all. After a few very flashy demos, things like playing checkers and translating Russian to English, that sort of stuff, well, the entire field foundered. It is very hard 
to build an artificial intelligence unless you have a very clear idea of what you're trying to build. And for this, you would need to know what intelligence is. And that, it turns out, is a deep topic. What is intelligence? The answer depends on whom you ask and the context for the question. There's no one scale for intelligence. Even the IQ test, the intelligence quotient test, it basically measures what the testers believed to be intelligence. But there are other tests measuring other things that give different results. We all know that someone can be very smart and at the same time profoundly stupid. Intelligence is full of paradoxes like this because intelligence isn't a thing. It's not a tick box. It's not something you can pin down. It's, well, it's a vibe. The crew at Dartmouth, they thought they knew what intelligence was. In their own minds, it meant the ability to beat them at chess. Because chess, now there was a game that required human intelligence. Beat a human and you'd need to be very intelligent. Well... That turned out to be wrong, because 25 years ago, IBM built a computer that can beat any human player at chess. And Deep Blue, that's the name of that computer, it's not very intelligent. It simply plays chess very, very well. And for most of the last 70 years, artificial intelligence has looked a lot like this. Someone says, this is what intelligence is. And then someone else builds a machine to do that intelligent task. And we learned you actually don't need intelligence to do that task. Now, at the same time, we got a lot better at classifying the kinds of problems that might require intelligence, situations involving interpretation, ambiguity, and the vibe. And those seem to be basically insoluble problems. So for almost 70 years, artificial intelligence promised to deliver smart machines and never really did. And then, seven years ago, a group of researchers working at Google, they came up with a new trick, something known as attention. Now, this isn't the same thing as human attention. Here, attention means the ability of the computer to look at the whole of a request that's posed by a person as it puzzles out the best possible answer to that question. And the request can be very, very long, tens of thousands of words. The replies generated by the computer, they can also be tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of words in length. Attention is all you need if you're going to make an AI chatbot. First, it listens carefully to what you're asking. Then, inside its computer brain, it quickly looks through lots of information it has learned before, just like looking through books in a library. It finds the best answer from what it knows, and then it tells you that answer just like a librarian helping you find what you need in a library. The more it talks to people and learns, the better it gets at answering questions. Start with the entire Internet, all of it, everything that's been written or shared by anyone in all of the years since 1969. If it exists somewhere and can be reached somehow, bring it all into one absolutely gigantic file of text, countless billions of words. And now feed all of them into a computer and then... Get the computer to pay attention to those words. Now, you do that by making requests to the computer. You ask questions like, what is the capital of Australia? And the first time you ask that question, you're basically just going to get a bunch of noise and reply, just random nonsense characters, not even words. So you patiently say to the computer, no, that's wrong. The capital of Australia is Canberra. And then you ask it again. 
And again, you get noise. And again, you tell it the answer. And then again, you ask and you get noise again and again and again. Every time you get more noise. But eventually, and this could take hundreds or even thousands of go-rounds, the computer begins to give you the right answer. And eventually, it can do that reliably. It will give you the same answer to the same question every single time. And once you've got that right, then you can go on to your next question. And you'll ask that, and you'll get more nonsense, and you'll say no, and you'll try again and again. And you do this for millions and millions of questions, correcting the computer thousands of times for each question. Now, let's be clear. Computers do all of this training. Computers teaching other computers. But even so, that is a tremendously big task. It takes time. It takes months and months and months on the world's fastest and biggest computer. The computer might need to have a thousand trillion go-rounds to get from nonsense and noise into meaning. But then, once you've got there, you can put nearly any question to the computer and get a reasonable reply. Reasonable, but not necessarily correct. We'll explain why in a moment. Did you know that a team of Australian academics got roasted because they went to Google's AI chatbot Bard for some factual information and Bard made up an answer? Those folks, they should have known better. Hi, this is Mark Pesci. If only they'd read my book, Getting Started with ChatGPT and AI Chatbots, they'd have learned not to make a silly mistake like blindly trusting a chatbot. Getting Started with ChatGPT and AI Chatbots, available December 6th at Amazon and Better Booksellers. Welcome back to the next billion seconds. We're looking at how to make an AI chatbot. It takes the whole of the internet and a whole lot of time. And even then, when you put a request to a chatbot, you might not get an accurate answer. Chatbots don't lie, but they also don't think. This isn't intelligence. It's really sophisticated search. And when it finds something that looks like it should be the answer to your request, it will provide it. But the chatbot doesn't know what a fact is. It doesn't know what fiction is. It can't tell them apart. And it can't tell when it's lost the plot. But because it has read the whole of the Internet, a chatbot is very good at sounding reasonable. Any response generated by a chatbot will look reasonable, even if it's completely fictional, especially when it's completely fictional. But on the other hand, they can give really good answers, answers so good they look considered. A chatbot looks as though it's been thinking. It hasn't. And this is where we come back to that whole idea of what is intelligence. It's a moving target. We used to believe that any computer that could give considered answers to questions would necessarily be thinking. And we now know that is not true because we built computers that can give what look to be considered answers to questions. And they're not thinking at all. It's just sophisticated search. Now, there is nothing wrong with that. Turns out that's really really useful. That's the lesson of this last year. ChatGPT came out at the end of November in 2022, and within 90 days, it had nearly 100 million daily users. Never in history had any app become so popular so quickly. Everyone found a use for it. So even if it's not actually thinking, it sure is useful. 
And it turns out the folks who found it the most useful, well, they happened to be the crew running the largest software firm on Earth, Microsoft. Microsoft is a multinational technology company known for its software, services, and hardware. It's most famous for the Windows operating system and office software suite. Microsoft also offers cloud services through Azure and has a significant presence in gaming with Xbox. Additionally, they're involved in areas like artificial intelligence and digital services. For years, Microsoft had been trying to create their own AI chatbot. One named Tay crashed and burned so quickly and so spectacularly that it's legendary. Microsoft had made an investment in OpenAI, a small one. That's the firm that created ChatGPT. Well, they used that as an opening to make a bigger investment, 10 billion U.S. dollars for 49% of OpenAI. And for that kind of money, Microsoft got the right to integrate the technology behind ChatGPT. It's called GPT-4. That technology got integrated into everything Microsoft sells. First, Bing Chat. That was their own version of ChatGPT. And then integrating across all of their products, including Windows, their operating system, and products like Microsoft Office and OneDrive, the whole show. All of them are wired into Microsoft's AI tools, and all of those tools are built on top of technology from OpenAI. Why? One reason. For 20 years, Microsoft has had a stone in their shoe, and it's driving them nuts. A competitor that they hate but they've never been able to defeat Google. Google has a monopoly on web search, and Microsoft has tried multiple times to make that monopoly their own, and they have always failed. Google is too big. It's too central to what the web is. But AI, oh, AI changes that equation because the web of the future, it might not be based on search engines. It might be driven by our conversations with AI chatbots. And if that's the case and Microsoft takes the lead on those chatbots, well, checkmate. Microsoft realized they finally had the chance to win this game. So they went all in on AI. And When the world's largest software company goes all in on AI, it ends up dragging all of the rest of the world along. It's just too big. It's just connected to too many things. It can't be otherwise. And so the last year hasn't really been about the rise and rise and rise of ChatGPT. The real story of the last year has been about a vicious turf war between Microsoft and Google for the future of the computer, for the future of the Internet, for the future of artificial intelligence. And this this is unexpected. You see, Google invented all of this. Their researchers invented the attention technique. And then Google basically shelved it. They did almost nothing with it. OpenAI came along and they built ChatGPT from it. And then Microsoft bought half of OpenAI. And only then did Google realize the trouble that they were in. And now they are struggling to get something out there that's as good as what's on offer from Microsoft and OpenAI. And they are still far behind in this race. And both sides in this turf war have been doing everything in their power to stick AI chatbots into everything they make. 
So when you open up Google's Docs or Gmail, there's BARD. That's Google's AI chatbot. It's right there, ready to help. So now, this is just a year after ChatGPT came out, pretty much every technology touchpoint that comes to us through Microsoft or Google, and that's pretty much the whole technology universe except for Apple, all of that has some sort of AI chatbot built right into it. Billions of people now have access to good enough artificial intelligence. And this is just the first year. A first year in a fundamental shift that will be at least as big and possibly bigger than the web. I mean, those last 30 years, they changed our world. They changed our relationship to data, to knowledge, to one another. All of that is now happening again. But it's happening far, far faster. Everywhere and all at once. Now, that's only half the story of last year, because there's another tech giant we haven't mentioned yet, Meta. They did something this year that might prove to be even more important than ChatGPT, something that brings artificial intelligence to every device everywhere. We'll explore that and a whole menagerie of South American ruminants on the next episode of The Next Billion Seconds. The Next Billion Seconds was written and presented by Mark Pesci, created in collaboration with Ample, produced by Josh Butt. If you like our show, please remember to follow us on your favorite podcasting app. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening. Ample. Hee hee. Is this thing on? Yeah, that's on. Don't touch that.